Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house, everything was quiet. And that was exactly what Captain Ethan Allen Hitchcock wanted, and expected. But then, there arose such a clatter, and Captain Ethan Allen Hitchcock was not the kind of man you wanted coming round to see what was the matter. And the matter now seems like a laughing matter. But at the time, on Christmas Eve of 1826, it was a very serious matter indeed. One that would carry on into the next day, result in fistfights, destruction of property, gunfire, several arrests, and at least one person falling or jumping out a window. It would go down as one of the strangest stories in the annals of American military history. A Christmas Eve party that got way out of control and would be known forevermore as the Eggnog Riot. I'm Brian Earle. This is Christmas Past. Well, we've turned the calendar page to September, and that means we've entered the four best months of the year. All the ones that end in the letters B-E-R, which is why we know them as the Burr Months. Maybe it's still summery hot where you are, just like it is here in California, but it won't be long before there's a nip in the air, pumpkin spice everything all around, and a keen awareness that Christmas is just about 100 days away. For a lot of people, and maybe you're one of them if you're listening in real time, this is the unofficial soft launch of the Christmas season. Yes, it's still quite early, but those of us with the Christmas spirit may start to feel emboldened to watch a Christmas movie or play some Christmas music. After all, the Christmas items will be appearing on some store shelves as early as the end of this month. And soon after that, everyone's favorite cable network will start showing Christmas movies more regularly, and then the countdown is on for real. So as we ease our way into Christmas of 2021, Christmas Past is back to bring a little Christmas cheer to the Burr months and, of course, the Christmas season itself. I can't say just yet how often I'll be able to bring you a new Burr Months episode. As many of you know, there's a new member of the Christmas Past family and the household here at Christmas Past headquarters. Our baby boy will be 10 months old by the time you hear this. He's crawling and standing and babbling and keeping us pretty busy and very tired. But I promise to do the very best I can. And rest assured, I've got another great season of backstories to your favorite Christmas traditions lined up for the time between Thanksgiving and Christmas Day, just like always. For these Burr Months episodes, I'll be bringing you interviews, new Christmas music, readings of classic Christmas stories, a trivia game, and whatever else I can think of to make things merry and bright as we count down to the big day. Today, it's just you and me, and I'm going to tell you the story of the Eggnog Riot. It's something I've been meaning to get to for a while, and what better time than now? So pour yourself a glass of something festive, but keep it in moderation if you please, because things are about to get wild. Our story begins in 1826 at the United States Military Academy at West Point in New York. The academy is about 25 years old at the time, and up until this point, the cadets were no strangers to drunken partying, on campus or off. So in 1826, the superintendent, a General Sylvanus Thayer, banned all alcohol on campus. And drunkenness, whether you got drunk on campus or at one of the taverns just across the Hudson River, could result in expulsion. Even tobacco and gambling were no-nos. Yes, General Thayer ran a tight ship. Or he tried to, anyway. Now, a little before our story begins, eggnog was becoming more popular and accessible in America, thanks to ramped-up production among dairy farms in the colonies. It was just starting to become a popular celebration drink closely associated with Christmas time. And back in those days, a term like spiked eggnog was unnecessary. The default was to include alcohol, typically brandy, whiskey, or rum. 
And so, as you might imagine, the cadets at West Point had become accustomed to having a nice, creamy, spicy, boozy glass of eggnog, or two, or several, at the annual Christmas party. So when they were informed that for Christmas of 1826 the eggnog would be alcohol-free, some of the cadets started scheming up a workaround. It was a simple plan. Again, there were taverns just a short boat ride away across the Hudson River. Three cadets chose one called Martin's Tavern, where they would buy some whiskey and then smuggle it into the barracks. One of the cadets was a fellow named Davis. We can ignore the other two cadets for most of this story, but we need to pay special attention to Davis. You see, he'd earned himself a reputation, the kind where a liquor-smuggling plot would sound like business as usual. As a matter of fact, on the 23rd, Christmas Eve Eve, Superintendent Thayer had a private Christmas party at his place for the higher-ups. And at that party, he and the Commandant of Cadets made a special point of discussing Davis and his disciplinary problems, which mostly involved, you guessed it, alcohol. But let's get back to the smuggling. This wasn't the work of just those three cadets. It had to be a coordinated effort. They needed a boat, for starters, so they got buy-in from a private working security to take one. And on December 22nd, off they went. The original plan was to get a half gallon of whiskey, but they actually returned with at least two gallons instead. And separately, another cadet, going to another tavern across the river, also returned with a gallon of rum. There are versions of the story, possibly apocryphal, that have the cadets bribing a security guard to look the other way as they smuggle the booze into their rooms in the barracks. Either way, it's a couple days before Christmas, and hidden among a few rooms in the North Barracks at West Point are the contraband makings of a Christmas party that would go down in history. But as far as Superintendent Thayer was concerned, Christmas Eve was going to be an orderly and sober affair. Captain Ethan Allen Hitchcock, a faculty member, was on patrol of the North Barracks that night with the help from a cadet named Nathaniel Eaton. And for most of the evening, things were just as Thayer and Hitchcock expected. All was calm, all was bright. Hitchcock and Eaton had made a patrol in the late evening. But then, sometime around midnight, things started to get lively. In two separate rooms, groups of cadets were drinking heavily and getting loud, singing, shouting, roughhousing. Around four in the morning, it had gotten loud enough to wake up Hitchcock, who was sleeping a floor below. When he went upstairs to investigate, he found several cadets either drunk or passed out in one of the rooms. He gave everyone a stern talking to and ordered people back to their rooms. And, thinking that was that, he went back to bed. Hitchcock still had no idea that there was another party going on in another room. The drunken cadets in the first room were in no mood to receive a lecture or to have their party broken up. So after Hitchcock left, several of them hatched a plan to mess with Hitchcock. They'd knock on his door and run away, and this happened several times. And one of those times, while Hitchcock was searching for a culprit, he saw our boy Davis heading into another room, which just happened to be that second room where the other party was taking place. Hitchcock tried to break up that party too. He sent several of the cadets, including Davis, back to their rooms. He gave everyone another stern lecture and eventually left. It would seem that at this point, Davis actually did go back to his room and conked out in bed. It was 4.30 in the morning after a night of heavy drinking, so we do know that he wasn't an instigator for what happened next. Remember, up till now, all of this had just been an illegal and loud party. And again, all of that was bad enough. Everyone involved could have been expelled for what they'd already done. But what happened next was big. This was when a small group of cadets put the riot in Eggnog Riot. Around this time, some of the rowdiness had spread to the South Barracks. 
The patrolling officer there, Lieutenant William Thornton, got involved, but he was attacked and knocked out cold by one of the cadets. Hitchcock started making arrests, but already several windows had been broken. Again, some accounts had cadets jumping or falling out of those windows. There was other property destruction, banisters torn off, furniture broken, shards of dishware all over the place. Things were really spinning out of control. Hitchcock returned to his room at one point, only to have three cadets attack his door, and one of them fired a shot into Hitchcock's room. Somehow, amidst all of this, some of the drunken cadets gutted into their heads that Hitchcock was planning to bring in the bombardiers to break things up. And that only caused them to head back into their rooms and take up arms and barricade themselves. By 6 a.m., the rowdiness was starting to die down, or at least be contained. Several of the cadets who weren't involved in any of the drinking and rioting were helping to restore order. But still, by the sound of Reveille at 6.05, the incident was still underway. Many of the cadets showed up for formation barefoot, torn uniforms, still drunk from the night before. It wasn't until after breakfast on that Christmas morning when order was completely restored. But the story doesn't end there. In the days that followed, it was determined that of the 250 cadets enrolled at West Point at the time, 70 had taken part in the riot. Several, including our friend Davis, were placed under house arrest, and an official court inquiry began. 19 cadets were identified as the ringleaders who were then court-martialed. The matter even made it to the desk of President John Quincy Adams, who actually got involved in the court-martial verdicts. 17 cadets were either expelled or suspended. And somehow, even though he was a known troublemaker and one of the criminal masterminds behind the smuggling plot, Davis had no charges filed and saw no major consequences for his involvement. And we can only wonder just how things might have turned out differently for Davis, and possibly even American history itself, if he had been expelled. Because our boy Davis was Jefferson Davis, who would later go on to become Secretary of Defense under President Franklin Pierce, although the title was Secretary of War back then, and then a House representative for Mississippi, and then, starting in 1861, the President of the Confederate States. There is a coda to this story, partly because of the events of December 24th and 25th of 1826. When new barracks were built at West Point in the 1840s, the hallways were designed so that the cadets could not move between floors from within the buildings. They'd have to exit the building first to get to another floor. Thanks so much for listening, and it just goes to show you there aren't many success stories that begin with drinking to excess. Hey, before I let you go, I just want to let you know that it is never too early to send a Christmas memory to share on the show this season. In fact, the earlier the better. Even if you've already shared one, I'd love to include another. Just record a voice memo on your phone and send it to christmaspasspodcast at gmail.com. Keep it reasonably short, clean and family-friendly, and be sure to say your name and where you're from. I'll be back again soon. Until then, let me remind you that Christmas Past is produced in wonderful Willow Glen, California by yours truly, Brian Earl. One of the things I love to do to get into the Christmas spirit is to send Christmas cards, and I'd love to send one to you. If you review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, I'll send you a handwritten Christmas card and an official Christmas Past sticker as my way of saying thanks. Email for details on that. Again, it's christmaspastpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use that address to just write and say hello. I love hearing from you, and I do try to respond to every message I get. If you're not an email person, well, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please do join the private Christmas Past Facebook group if you haven't yet, so that we can keep celebrating together. Until we meet again, may your days be merry and bright.